and welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about a woman's love for vampires and herbs so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. Joining us to discuss this fantasy of academia is somewhat perpetual motion machine, Gina Donovan. Hello. Hi, Gina. Hi. Thanks for joining us and bringing this completely 500% on-brand book to the table. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, This book is one, people had suggested this before, and I was like, oh, I thought that was good, though. Like, I heard it was good. And then um, then Gina was like, no, we should read it. And then I got, like, one chapter in, and I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying it's not good, but it is... Like, reading this made me feel like a Stefan sketch from Saturday Night Live. I was just like, this has everything. It's witches and vampires and demons and herbs and time travel and sex paperwork and libraries and horses and wolves. (laughs) Accessories. A a cat. It has a lot. It has a lot in it. It's Lesbian witches. (laughs) It was not, like, compared to some of the books that we read recently, a.k.a. James Patterson, um, it wasn't bad. I mean, even compared to most of the books we read, it's not, like, bad, bad, but it is fucking wild. (laughs) And it's funny because, like, I've read the other books, and the other books are, like, so much worse. (laughs) Like, in that there's just so much in them. What a delight. Uh, let's dig in, because we truly, I mean, we have 600 pages, and every page has, like, a new magical creature or a new, like, concept. Like, I I don't know how we're going to do it. But let's try. I literally just forgot the main character's name. I'm overwhelmed. Diana. 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 Of yeah. course. <laughs> Goddess of the hunt. <laughs> the book starts uh, with Diana in the academic library of one of the colleges of Oxford. I don't fucking know anything about Oxbridge or Oxbridge like protocols or anything. She's in the Bodleian library. Sure. We'll roll with that. Um, And she has requested a whole bunch of manuscripts to go over because she is a historian who is studying alchemy, like the, the history of science and alchemy specifically. And one of the manuscripts is, like, weird from the start. Like, she's getting a weird feeling off of it. And we are very quickly informed that Diana is a witch and that she is, like, not real into being a witch and tries to ignore it. So this manuscript is super magic and she's just pretending that that is not the case. Yes. (laughs) But... The book, like, doesn't want to be opened, and so she goes against her principles and uses a little bit of magic to make it open. And it's, like, weird. There's, like, weird handwriting inside of it, and it seems like there's more writing magically underneath the writing that's there. Uh, But she just very quickly... And there's some pages missing. And she just very quickly, like, writes some notes about it and then returns it to the manuscript storage... And it's like, this is probably fine. <laughs> and I just, I want to jump in. This was a book that is so horny for proper library protocol. It goes, 
I mean, I think you could probably use this as, like, a guidebook for visiting the Bodleian Library. It's like, you gotta sign in with your pass, and then you get a slip, and then you write down the call numbers of the volumes you want, and you give it to the assistant, and then you put it in the book cradle, and, like, it's, like, so detailed, and I kind of liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, like, the next day she goes back to the library, and she notices that there's... A bunch of other magical creatures there, and we get some like info dump that there are essentially three types of magical creatures: witches, vampires, and demons. Um, demons. De- I listened to part of this on audio. It's just pronounced demons in the same way that Philip Pullman demons are, uh, which is shenanigans all around. But uh, and- I gotta be honest. I've always thought that the um, Philip Pullman demons were also pronounced demons. Nah. But I, because I never really read more than a little bit of any of those books. Whoops. They're demons. Um, Because religion is a a curse and a a real problem and your pet animals are your demons. I don't know. We can't get into that. But uh, these are demons. (laughs) Future episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, side note, don't at me, I love his dark materials, but they're pronounced demons, that's a fact. Um, uh, what I love is how casually she drops things in here, like, of course, as you know, uh, witches can sense the, uh, when vampires look at a witch, it feels cold on their skin, but when a demon looks at a witch, it feels hot on her skin, and, like, we all know this, and this is just universally true, and, of course, witches can't lie to other witches, and she's just sort of, like, dropping all of this lore in very casually. Yeah, it is very, like, the beginning of the book is very, like, this is a, you know, modern book that takes place in the present, in normal times, where I'm just a normal person going to the library. Also, I'm a witch, and this other woman who works at the library, works in the library, is also a witch, and also there are demons, and also there's a hot vampire. But manuscripts. 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 That is that is actually the moral of this book, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Um, so the, the hot vampire, um, sees her using magic again, and we get some more info dump that she, uh, as we said, is not super into magic, and she never lets herself use it. But once her washing machine broke, and she used magic to drain it, and... There was a book on a high shelf that she was just trying to get, and it was too high, so she used magic to get it. <laughs> And uh, was spied on by this vampire who is, of course, in line with all vampire fiction ever. Uh, she's like, oh, he's so hot, but I don't care that he's hot. I'm just going to go home because I'm too good for this, even though he's really hot. Just in case you forgot from when I mentioned it for the first time three paragraphs ago, he's very hot. Yeah. I don't know what it is about vampire lore that makes everybody decide vampires are super sexy. I mean, I guess I guess it kind of goes back to Dracula, huh? Yeah. Uh, so she notices over the next few days that more and more creatures are coming to the library, more witches, more vampires, more demons, and this hot vampire, Matthew, keeps coming to the library to, like... He like Look he invites at- her to dinner and she's like, What the fuck? Vampires don't eat dinner. And he he's just like around all the time and like follows her while she's like exercising and all this other stuff. And eventually they start talking and he brings up the weirdo manuscript that she 
was looking at. And uh, I'm really zipping through some of this because this book is so long and we're on the first of like seven locations that they go to. Yeah. It's a lot of like, it's a lot of intense supernatural flirting and manuscript talk before they finally get to any like critical information being revealed. Yes. And, And also like sort of borderline stalking. Yes. yes, like very Edward Cullen playbook, very uh, I snuck into your room to watch you sleeping and to look yes. through your things for a manuscript. Yes. Um, so we, we eventually find out that like everyone's looking for this manuscript because it, in theory, has been like lost for centuries. No one has seen it and everyone wants it and everyone thinks that it's a different thing. The vampires think that it holds the secrets to how all creatures have been made, creatures referring to witches, vampires, and demons. The witches believe that it's like the first spell book filled with all of the first witches' spells. And the demons believe probably something about horniness. Demons are real horny in this book. Yeah, but but it's the kind of thing where you could see where it, where it's the same book and it's just some sort of like very old early magical text that is of critical importance to all types of creatures. Except humans, because fuck those guys. Yes. And um, Matthew is also a professor at Oxford. He is a medical doctor, and he studies geology, ge- uh, genealogy, not geology. Those are two different things. <laughs> but you know what? He is 1,500 years old. I bet he knows some shit about geology. <laughs> it's probably true. Genealogy wolves mm-hmm. yeah he's published on all these like disparate topics and while she's like stalking him diana reads all of his publications she's like i can sort of see how this all connects and she's like making like a serial killer string board in her mind of like wolves evolution genes like <laughs> yes and his current field of study is genetics and he is running this medical lab at oxford meanwhile Diana's lesbian aunts, who are also witches, keep calling her because one of her aunts is having these premonitions that, like, bad things are happening. And bad things are happening, but in a very, like, I'm in my early 30s and I don't have, I don't have to, you know, report what happens in my life to anyone sort of way. She just kind of, like, blows them off and ignores their messages and is like, everything's fine. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just hanging out with a vampire and he's fine. Mm-hmm. By the way, the reason her aunts are calling and not her parents is that Diana's parents both died when she was seven, and they were killed in Nigeria specifically, but 500 times the book is like, they died in Africa, they were killed when they went to Africa, like, they never should have went to Africa, and it's like, kind of racist, I don't know, like, stop saying Africa so much when you do have a specific location that you're just choosing not to use. Yeah, it is. It it also feels a little racist where they talk. She's been told her whole life that they were killed by humans. And one of the witches who has started showing up at the library and like stalking her to try and get their hands on this manuscript tells her that actually her parents were killed by witches. And when she reveals that to Matthew the vampire, he's like, oh, well, yeah, Nigerian witches, they thought that your magic was in your stomach. So that's why, like, his stomach was ripped, your father's stomach was ripped out, was because that's what those, those African witches believed, which was also real weird. Yeah. Because uh, you're a fucking witch and a vampire. Like, weird shit exists. Leave people alone. But anyway... All of these people keep trying to get this manuscript. She doesn't know why. She just wants everyone to leave her alone. 
people have like are trying to break into her apartment. Uh, and meanwhile, she and Matthew are getting cozy, and their kind of rivalry has turned into her accepting an invitation to go do yoga with him at his yoga studio that's just for creatures. And then she finds out that the yoga studio is actually at the giant house that he built in the 1500s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... And it's like an inner creature yoga class. So demons and vampires and witches all do yoga together, which is charming as hell, honestly, but also very shocking because, as we mentioned before, these creatures are all, like, bigoted against each other. Yes. And, and like, the teacher is super accepting of everyone. <laughs> yeah. So they start to get closer, and she's, like, kind of into him, and he's kind of into her, and it's weird. Like, just, like, a, a switch flips, and they go from, like, hating each other to being, like, tentative besties, who are very clearly, like, into each other, even though it's gonna be another 400 pages before they actually put that into words. Like, I was actually surprised the first time. They were like, oh, like, we're gonna make out now. Because at that point, I had kind of assumed that they had been making out already, but whatever. Around this time, the other creatures start getting, like, increasingly violent, and, well, actually, some of it is Matthew, but Diana doesn't know that until later. Um, Like, people are being murdered, and Matthew's like, let's get out of here because it's not safe and go to my estate in France. Well, also, one of the the witches that keeps coming to the library is a wizard. And they use witch and wizard indiscriminately to talk about male witches. So whatever. Wait, I didn't think they did. I thought, well, anyway, I thought the, I thought the wizard was, was Knox, was the wizard. Yeah. And he's a boy. But they also refer to him as a witch several times. And they refer to her father as a witch several times. Huh. All right. It's weird. But so this this guy, Knox, uh, is trying to get into her mind with his witch powers. And she's able to rebuff him. And then he corners her at a fancy dinner with, like, the head of her college. And makes it clear that, like, he threatens her and that he wants that manuscript. And that he thinks the only reason she could open it was a fluke. And that he'll do whatever it takes to get it. And uh, she realizes that someone has broken into her apartment and sent her a color photo of her parents' murdered bodies. Oh, yes. Which she'd never seen before. Well, she had seen it before as a child. She snuck into the library or something and was able to see the picture. She wasn't supposed to see it. Mm. Her aunt had kept it from her, but she did, like, sneak... A look at a newspaper article and saw it and it like haunted her dreams forever and it was in black and white and it's in color now that's okay that was it and it like freaks her out and she like has a meltdown and this whole time she keeps periodically doing magic that she doesn't understand like making electricity come out of her hands when she's mad and all of this other stuff and matthew at this point is like this is fucked up like we aren't safe here. These people will do nothing. We'll stop at nothing until they get this manuscript. I'm taking you to my family's home in France and everything will be cool, even though my mom hates witches. Okay, we're leaving now. Bye. So they go to France. They go to France. It's very horny there. It is very horny there. While they're at his family's estate in France... She finds out, like, all sorts of stuff about his family. His mom does really hate witches. The estate 
is only occupied currently by his mother and her housekeeper because his father was killed by the Nazis. The, the Nazi witches, this is another thing that was wild to me and just sort of casually slipped in. We have like two pages about the Nazi witches and then the news that for decades after World War II, yeah, his mom's name is Isabeau, and for decades after World War II, she just went to Argentina and like vampire-hunted escaped Nazis, which I love, and that is never... I would read a whole book about it. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, his father was killed by Nazis and witches. Like, witches captured him and gave him to Nazis or something. Yeah. Like, the Nazis weren't necessarily witches, but the witches knew it was happening and were just like, fucking whatever. Yeah. yeah with- I think they were, like, using Nazis to, to gain victims or something. Yeah, they were using Nazis to, like, take out vampires or whatever. And the vampire, the Nazis were using the vampires as like um, medical experimentation reasons. Yes, yeah. is real fucked up. And again, very casually dropped in, never returned to. <laughs> <laughs> that that's in like book three. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> His mother like slowly starts to warm up to her, and he they start to get closer. And it reaches a point where she is very clearly like, okay, like, we're gonna fuck now. And he's like, we can't, like, we shouldn't, because there's so much time. We have all the time in the world. Like, let's go slowly. And she's like, you might be, like, fucking immortal, but I'm not. Like, what is this? And then another vampire shows up at the estate and tells them that he is coming on behalf of the congregation? Is that yes. the right word? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and you know, I think the congregation was briefly mentioned in Oxford, um, right. but Diana didn't really know what it was. Yes. And uh, he's there to give them an official warning because the congregation came together like hundreds or maybe thousands of years ago during the Crusades. I don't know how time works. That might not have been a thousand years ago. The, they're basically like the Volturi, like the interspecies Volturi. Yes. It's like the High Council of Vampires, Witches, and Demons. And one of their rules is that vampires, witches, and demons are not allowed to, like, have relationships within species, like, interspecies. Like, it's okay to do it with humans, I guess, but not with other creatures. Only with your own kind or humans. Yes. Uh, So they're, like, in trouble for doing this. But they're, uh, Matthew is pretty sure that it's a ruse that they're using to get more information about the manuscript. Like, this is just a way that they can get to them. Uh, so he takes off for Oxford and tells her that they can't be together and leaves to figure out what's going on in Oxford. And then she freaks out, Diana, and has water, witch water. Yes. Which is, like, crying, but an ocean happens. Uh, And she nearly dies, but his mother sings her a lullaby, and she stops having an ocean come out of her entire body. Yeah. At some point in here, we got an info dump about all the different kinds of witch powers there are. And some of the elemental ones, there's witch fire, witch water, witch wind, and earth witch? I feel like the earth one is different. 
I don't think it's called Witch Earth. But, um... Anyway, she had done witch wind earlier, and she didn't really know what it was, but it wasn't as strong as the witch water. Yes, and the witch... She hasn't done witch fire yet. That comes later. Right, but she'd gotten an info dump about how it exists. Or we've gotten one. So while Matthew is gone, she, like, goes through his shit and has his mother... His mother, like, starts talking to her about his past, and she finds out that... a bazillion years ago in old-timey times. Like, extremely old-timey times, like, uh, year 500. Yes, very old-timey times. He had been a carpenter in town while his vampire parents were, like, the the rich people on like an the, estate. Yeah, like the lord and lady or whatever. Yes, and as a human, he got married and had a son, and then uh, sickness took away, uh, killed his wife and son, and he was real upset about it and threw himself into his work. And one day he fell off of a, a, a roof church tower. Was, yeah, that he was working on and was dying. And his vampire mom cared about him so much that she said to him, like, do you want me to make you take away your pain and make you immortal? I can do that. You need to drink it. Like, explains the whole thing to him, but he's so delirious that he doesn't know what's happening, and he's just like, yeah, sure. Well, and the other thing was, there was, they weren't sure if he had tried to commit suicide or if he had fallen, and if it was suicide, like, would he go to heaven or not? And, like, it was a whole, it was a whole moral quandary. Yes. Again, very Twilight. <laughs> so he like very is very out of it and like agrees to what she uh, suggests. So she turns him into a vampire and he's real pissed about it when he wakes up. But he kind of comes to term with it over time. And this is like kind of framed as like a big no-no. Like you're not supposed to tell someone someone else's vampire story. But his mom is kind of like, fuck my son. I do what I want. <laughs> And she snoops through his stuff and also finds that he, like, was friends with Darwin and Shakespeare and Gutenberg. <laughs> yeah, like, and and some of this is when he's there, too, because at first he gives her a tour of the library and she's like, oh, is, like, there's something, there's a volume that's just called Will's Plays and they're, like, Shakespeare <laughs> first drafts and, like, all this stuff. <laughs> it's just, like, historian slash librarian porn. <laughs> Before they get to the actual porn. Yes. While she's there... Oh, also, his vampire mom is like, come ride horses with me. And she's like, cool. She's real into horse riding, and she's very good at it. Much to his dismay. Because he... At first, when they first get there and see the stable, she's like, oh, I'd love to ride horses. And he's like, oh, like, I don't trust you to ride horses. I don't think you'd be good at it for whatever reason. Even though she grew up in, like, upstate New York in the middle of nowhere on a farm. And then when she's good at horse riding, he's like, well, shit, I guess you are good at riding horses. Well, because also because she can telepathically communicate with horses like witches do. So she goes on a horse ride with his vampire mom and his vampire mom's like, hey, is it cool if I eat some animals? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) While we're horseback riding. (laughs) (laughs) And she can tell it's a test, so she's like, yeah, cool, whatever. And watches this as vampire mom, like, captures a rabbit and drains the rabbit and captures 
some other animals like a squirrel and a fox and then a deer and she's really upset about the like animal death but she knows that she can't act upset or his vampire mom will think she's not good enough mm-hmm. as is common yes <laughs> so he calls her from oxford and essentially is like i'm sorry i ran out i want to be with you i love you i want i don't care what the congregation says like i want to be with you i'm coming back to france Yes. He does. He does. And then they make out on the lawn, and that's, like, vampire wedding. Yes. So it's wild. He's like, okay, like, I love you, let's kiss. And then... And then he casually refers to her as his wife. And she's like, what's this now? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's just vampire culture. Like, it's, well, you know, it's kind of like how wolves mate and take a mate. But I don't like the term mate. So you're just my wife now. And she's like, all right. <laughs> and like the like his mom like rolls everyone's just like oh, okay yeah she's his wife now yeah mm. she's part of the family now no one can cross her uh i also at this point i would like to drop in because we didn't mention it before although it had occurred before uh in this book vampires can eat human food but they don't prefer it but when they can what they like is raw food like chestnuts and raw meat and they also love wine, and they're, like, really big wine snobs, which is so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't tell if that was, like, a vampire thing in general or just, like, a Matthew thing. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's, Ma- it's Matthew and his family, I guess, and they were the only... I liked it. Anyway. <laughs> and he, he, like, teaches her to be a wine snob, and every time he gives her wine, he's, like... He does like a you know smell it. What what are the the bouquets that you can tell? What's the mouth feel like? <laughs> it's so much. It's a lot. <laughs> uh, anyway, they're so married. The-, um, the maid starts making her herbal tea. And this book, like Outlander, gets, like, very into herbs. She has to learn what all the herbs are. There's 12 herbs that go into the tea, and she has to, like, identify all of them and make the tea. This tea is important. Yes. It's foreshadowing tea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so they're, like, happily not having sex. Well, okay. They're fingering. To- There's some fairly graphic <laughs> fingering. Um, yes. And not to, like, fucking get on my high horse, but I'm already on it. Uh, there is, like, it's a big thing that he keeps saying, like, oh, like, well, we, we, we can't have sex, we can't have sex, but we can have fingering and blowjobs and all sorts of other things, but, like, as long as it's not, it's like a fucking, like, middle school rumor, you know, like, well, as long <laughs> like, as it's you know, you know, all those, fine. all those middle school rumors about fingering. <laughs> well, you know how, like, yeah. when, you know, like, younger kids will be like, oh, well, like, but we didn't have sex. I just gave him a blowjob. It's like, no, that that's a sexual act that yeah, you yeah. did. Like, just because you have not had penis and vagina intercourse does not mean that you're not having sex. Matthew and Diana. Yes. Yeah, they're very, they have a very strict definition of what constitutes sex. And a lot of a lot of sexual activities that don't meet that definition, apparently. Yeah. 
So that's annoying. <laughs> um, and so one night after some heavy fingering and blowjobbing, Diana is like in a great mood. So she leaves while well, Matthew has fallen asleep and he snores, which I thought was very charming. Because he only sleeps very rarely because he's a vampire. Yes, and he makes a big deal about it. Like, oh, like, I'll get in bed with you, but I'm not going to sleep because I don't do that. And then, like, in the middle of the night, she wakes up because she hears a weird noise. (laughs) And it's the fact that Matthew is passed out next to her and is now snoring. Yes. But so she is like, oh, I'm going to go out to the horses in the middle of the night. And when she does that, she is abducted by a bad witch although most of the witches are bad as this story goes on most of the everything is bad everyone is bad so this witch has uh kidnapped her and she is very she's in cahoots with a couple vampires and she her goal is to find the magic hidden inside of diana uh, because Diana's parents, I don't know if we mentioned, were, like, the most powerful witches ever. Yes. In modern times. Well, not ever, but in modern times. Most of the witches' powers are dying out as generations continue forward. Yeah, and, and, and bloodlines are weakened. Yeah, and a similar thing is also happening to vampires and demons, and that's part of what Matthew is studying in his lab, that vampires are having trouble turning new vampires without killing them and uh demons the thing with demons is like it they have like a like a craziness is their power and it it makes them like super creative or just regular like insane and more of them are becoming regular insane and not like super talented and creative Uh, So this witch wants to break Diana open and find out where her magic is. And Diana is, like, hallucinating her parents telling her the bedtime story they used to tell her as a child, which is very... I couldn't tell if we... It is very clearly, like, a metaphor for her life like, not even close to it, but she doesn't realize this for several pages, several chapters after the story is told, and she uses it to break free. I mean, she's, like, pretty out of it. Yeah. They, you know, tell her this story about this little girl... Named Diana. Named Diana, whose magic is so powerful that it's wrapped up in ribbons, and then one day she meets a handsome stranger... Um, I'm Shadow Man. A shadow man, and then she's captured by a mean witch who doesn't want her to be with the shadow man who wants her magic, and, like, it literally goes point by point through, like, Matthew showing up with his brother and trying to get to her, and he can't, and there's an opening in the ceiling, and she can't reach it, and he can't get through it unless she untethers her magic and uses it to fly through the ceiling, which she does step by step, exactly as it's described in the story. So she's saved by Matthew and his brother. And by her her ghost parents. And by her ghost parents. And brought back to Matthew's estate. And they realize he and his mom and the housekeeper that 
something bigger is going on than they can handle and that it might make sense for them to bring her to other witches they can trust to help her learn how to deal with these powers she has now. And the only ones they can come up with are her aunts who live in New York. So road trip by, by air. Um, so they go to New York to stay with her lesbian aunts in the house where she grew up. Here's, here's two things I fucking loved about all the stuff of the house. One, the house is, like, a living character, and it has moods, and the house, like, provides things for them. Like, when it senses a visitor is arriving, it just, like, grows a new room, and I thought that was dope as hell. And also, the Ents have a cat named Tabitha, and the cat loves Matthew the Vampire, and I loved every second that Tabitha was on the page, obviously. And also, the other thing I loved, this was probably my favorite part of the book, I loved this house, And as we describe everything that's going to happen in this part, you will understand, having listened to probably a hundred and however many episodes of this show, why I loved this part so much. In the house, in addition to her two aunts and the two of them, all of the ghosts of, like, all of her relatives also just kind of, like, hang out there. Yes. and Extremely haunted. In a (laughs) chill way. And I think only the female ones. Oh, Yeah. Because only her mom is there. <laughs> yeah, well, her grandma. Yeah. Right. And they offer just, like, advice and input and sarcastic comments on the goings-on of the house. Uh, her aunts are not, like, super into Matthew at first. Well, her Aunt Sarah is not super into Matthew at first. Emily is like, oh, I kind of knew this was going to happen because her mom used to have... I used to have visions of a shadow man, and her mom used to tell me about the shadow man that was going to protect her one day. So once you were like, oh, I'm hanging out with a vampire, I was like, probably a shadow man. <laughs> um, and they also find out that Diana's powers had been spellbound previously, which is like a big fucking deal. It's like very offensive for a witch to do it to another witch, but her parents did it to her before they left on the trip where they died and it was because she has all of the genetic markers for like literally every type of witchcraft yeah at some point Matthew had taken her blood to his vampire DNA lab and had like a shocking DNA reveal yes like as we said earlier Witchcraft is dying out, but Diana has super powerful witchcraft and has, like, every kind of witchcraft. One thing around this point in time, maybe a little later, Diana has this hilarious to me realization, which is, it's like, her whole life she's consciously tried not to do witchcraft because she really wanted to make it on her own terms and feel like she earned her academic tenure and, like, all her publications, like, that she just earned everything by her own hard work. And she realizes that she was, like, accidentally doing magic the whole time to, like, find the right manuscript and, like, also accidentally time travel without (laughs) realizing it. And and I just, like, love... I love everything about that. Like, I'm the most powerful witch, and I used it to get tenure, but I didn't mean to. (laughs) (laughs) So, So while they're at the house... Matthew's vampire son and 
vampire buddy who work with him in the lab end up coming to New York because they have like all of this news of things that have happened in Oxford since they left and also these like DNA results for more witchcrafty DNA stuff and they get um, while they're kind of like Renata said the house like gives them things mm. when it thinks they need them like and not just like it, it grows a room it gives them a salad bowl at one point because a lot of people have shown up and they don't have a bowl big enough to use for dinner Uh, And it gives Diana a letter from her mother, and included in the letter is one of the pages from the manuscript at the beginning of the book, one of the removed pages. And the illustration is an illustration of some alchemical reaction, but it's also very clearly an image of her and Matthew being married. Like, yeah. the the people in the illustration are her and Matthew. Yes. And she goes into, like, the history of, like, the alchemical terms, but, like, it basically it means, like, marriage and then conception, and then uh, one of her aunts recognizes that the tea that she has brought is a contraceptive tea, and she's like, well, it's impossible, like, a vampire and a witch can't get pregnant anyway. And then everyone's like, or can they, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and uh, so, like, they all kind of freak out about that for a little while. And then two demons show up. And they're the son and the wife, the son and his wife of a chill demon who Diana had met in Oxford. Yes, so now the house has the witch lesbian aunts, Diana and Matthew, Matthew's vampire son and his vampire buddy, the two demons, the cat Tabitha, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're all just kind of hanging out and chilling in this house. And, I mean, around we can just, around here also, Matthew has a demon friend who's like his banker and friend and knight. His name is Hamish. He arrives too, and so then by the end of it, they have this powerful like the opposite of the uh, congregation because they have three demons and three vampires and three witches, and that's you know an important number of beings to have. Plus one cat. Also, we totally forgot. <laughs> we totally glazed over the part where it turns out while Matthew's gone uh, back in France, Diana snoops through his office and finds out that he's the leader of like an ancient order of holy vampire knights oh yeah they were the knights of the templar but uh, that died out and they just were reborn as the knights of lazarus and it's a thing yes uh so yeah she like finds that out while he's gone and then like mentions to him like 10 chapters later like oh because you're the head of that order, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to, like, snoop through your things. And he's just like, no, it's cool. It's fine. I'm not mad about it. Yeah, I am. And everyone has to listen to me. Because even though I'm the younger brother, so I'm not in charge of our family, I am in charge of the Knights of Lazarus. Yeah. So all the other vampires have to listen to me if they are a part of this order. One thing I like about that reveal... um, Overall, I mean, Matthew definitely has this huge, like, alpha male, like, I'm protective, and, like, if you touch my wife, I'll, like, fuck you up. And he's, like, he has that whole thing. But overall, he's a lot more chill about things like that than some other characters in some other books. Like, I feel like, you know, 
for example, Christian Grey, if Anna had been like, oh yeah, I went in your drawer and I saw your Knights of the Lazarus seal in your drawer, he'd have been like, what the <laughs> fuck? That's my drawer, bitch! Like, and and Matthew's just like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> he's like, not only like, oh, that's fine, he's like, oh yeah, I probably should have told you that at some point. Sorry. Yeah, that's the emotional maturity I expect from a 1500-year-old man. <laughs> Um, so just to, to round out the end real quick, uh, they decide, they realize that they need to... Yeah, Kate, please wrap this up quick. I would love to just hear a quick explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Just real quick, what do they do now? (laughs) They decide to time walk to the past. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because that's a witch power that she has. Uh-huh. But, but Kate, uh, how many things does she need to go to the past? <laughs> she needs three things from the past, from the time that she wants to go to. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, oh, also, the reason they have to go to the past is because she needs to train her witch powers, and there aren't any living witches who are strong enough, but in old times, witches were better. So they're going to the year 1590. Um, one of their uh, one of their objects is a Christopher Marlowe manuscript, and there is a casual reveal from Matthew that Christopher Marlowe was very horny for Matthew, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also revealed that um, they keep they after they get to New York and they're staying with the lesbian ants. I keep saying they're lesbian ants because. God knows we don't read enough books with queer content on this show. And I was just really happy about it. As they're in New York with the lesbian ants, all of these, there's all these little reveals of like, oh yeah, like when you were a kid, you did that magic all the time. You just don't remember. And I was actually very charmed by this. When she was a child, she would time walk back in time to her birthday to get cake when she wanted cake. Yep, and then she'd just show, roll up back in the in the present with a piece of birthday cake. <laughs> Which I... That is the power that I want. Iconic, yes. It's like infinite cake. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they, they decide that they're gonna go back in time to learn to do witch powers, and they oh, do that. Also, real quick, uh, he, she gets vaccinated before they go. This book is pro-vax, <laughs> and I want that on the record. <laughs> I was so curious where he got a smallpox vaccine. <laughs> he He's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> you think he just had it in his lab? Like... <laughs> Yeah, I I would absolutely read like a side story that's just like us breaking into the CDC to get smallpox <laughs> and then shipping it through the mail. Yes. <laughs> uh, my God, like so much. There's so much. I overall really enjoyed all of this, but it is just. Did, did we skip over the part where they like had the the fight with Michael's ex girlfriend or Matthew's ex girlfriend? Oh yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, by the way, I think this is the only non-white character in the book, and uh, she has literally been driven mad. So that's cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was was Satu yeah. white. What was Satu white? Oh, okay, you're right. She's not the only. One. I think Hamish also was not white. Well, he's Scottish. But I thought he also was like, whatever. Maybe he's yeah. white. Um. <laughs> 
She's she's the only character described as black. Yeah. We'll go with that. Um she It's such a long story. I don't even want to get into it cuz we had so much to talk about, but she, kind of kind of problematic, but she showed up again as like another another fight in France before they could get to the US and it's just like another tragic reveal from Matthew's past. Well, no, that one was in the US. Was it? Yeah. Yes. Because it's in the apple orchard. Oh, yeah. This might be another ex-girlfriend. <laughs> there were two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More than two, even. But I think these are the only two that actually, like, show up. That was another thing I like, too, by the way, is that Diana's like, oh, yeah, of course, like, you're literally 1,500 years old. I totally understand you had a wife before. Like, she feels, like, slightly sad about it, but she's, like, not jealous. She's chill. Yeah, like, she she acknowledges that, like, yeah, like, she's envious of this other woman, but also, like, does not begrudge him or her, and that her feelings are her problem to deal with and have nothing to do with, like, him living his life or, like, this wonderful woman, apparently, that he had been with and loved. Uh, that was pretty cool. There was, I will say at the beginning, there was a lot of a thing that just annoys me in books, vampire books, or any kind of supernatural, paranormal kind of books where um, something, like, super dangerous is happening, but, like, the female protagonist is like, no, but I am an independent woman, and I don't need your protection, even though very dangerous things are happening, and you have proven that you are physically stronger than me and know more about what's going on. And maybe that's just my cowardly ass talking, Mm -hmm. but, like, if I was in that situation, and I say this as, like, a super lesbian, if some dude was like, oh, I know how to stop the evil wizards from coming after you, I'd be like, sign me up, let's go to France. Like, we're gone. Please protect me from these evil wizards. Yeah, I do think with her, at least it was sort of spelled out a little bit more that a lot of it was also just kind of denial. Like, she'd spent so much time denying her magic that she was spending a lot of time being like, surely they're not interested in me, surely they are here for Matthew, or like, I don't know, she spent a long time doing that. Well, and she was pretty prejudiced against vampires, so... Yeah. Which just dissolved itself in, like, no time at all. It is, like, my least favorite trope, just because it is the trope that I can relate to the least. Sure. Like, no, please, yes, please take me somewhere and protect me. I don't want to be murdered by wizards. Thank you. Fair enough. Um... Also, this book did have the line that is, uh, I think, contractually required to be in every vampire human book, which is at one point the vampire says, you're the most frustrating creature that I have ever encountered. Yep. Yep. In 1,500 years. In 1,500 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Like, I mean, that is so old. (laughs) Like, I mean, Edward Cullen is 108 or whatever, and that's very old. This guy is 15 times older than Edward Cullen. (laughs) What? Okay. Anyway, that's Matthew. 
That's his book. And I'm sure we left some stuff out because it's very long and 1,003 things happen, at least. But let's move on to dramatic readings and just give you a real concentrated dose of, of this text. So our first one is when uh, Diana wants to make dinner for Matthew, although she knows he's a vampire and she's done some hilarious research into figuring out how to care and feed for care for and feed your vampire. And uh, I'll be Diana and Kate will be Matthew. Vampires categorically did not like vegetables. Spices didn't seem to pose a problem, so I kept the rosemary and ground some pepper over the rabbit while it seared in the pan. Leaving Matthew's rabbit a little underdone, I cooked mine a bit more than was required, in the hope that it would get the taste of raw venison out of my mouth. After assembling everything in an artistic pile, I delivered it to the table. This is cooked, I'm afraid, but barely. You don't think this is a test of some sort, do you? No, no, but I'm not used to entertaining vampires. I'm relieved to hear it. It smells delicious. While he was bent over his plate, the heat from the rabbit amplified his distinctive scent of cinnamon and clove. Matthew forked up a bit of the chestnut biscuit. As it traveled to his mouth, his eyes widened. Chestnuts? Nothing but chestnuts, olive oil, and a bit of baking powder. And salt. And water, rosemary, and pepper. Given your dietary restrictions, it's a good thing you can figure out exactly what you're putting in your mouth. With most of the meal behind us, I began to relax. We chatted about Oxford while I cleared the plates and brought cheese, berries, and roasted chestnuts to the table. Help yourself, I said, putting an empty plate in front of him. Matthew savored the aroma of tiny strawberries and sighed happily as he picked up a chestnut. These really are better warm. He cracked the hard nut easily in his fingers and popped the meat out of the shell. The nutcracker hanging off the edge of the bowl was clearly optional equipment with a vampire at the table. What do I smell like? For a few moments, it seemed as though he wasn't going to answer. The silence stretched thin before he turned wistful eyes on me. His lids fell and, and he inhaled deeply. You smell of willow sap and chamomile that's been crushed underfoot. There's honeysuckle and fallen oak leaves, too, along with witch hazel blooming and the first narcissus of spring. And ancient things. Whorehound, frankincense, ladies' mantle. Since I thought I'd forgotten. His eyes opened slowly, and I looked into their gray depths, afraid to breathe and break the spell his words had cast. What about me? Cinnamon and cloves. Sometimes I think you smell of carnations. Not the kind in florist shops, but the old-fashioned ones that grow in English cottage gardens. Clove pinks. Not bad for a witch. I reached for a chestnut. Cupping the nut in my palms, I rolled it from one hand to the other, the warmth traveling up my suddenly chilly arms. Matthew sat back in his chair again, surveying my face with little flicks of his eyes. How did you decide what to serve for dinner tonight? Well, it wasn't magic. The zoology department helped a lot. You asked the zoology department what to make me for dinner? Not exactly. 
There were raw food recipes on the net, but I got stuck after I bought the meat. They told me what gray wolves ate. Uh, I still can't believe there's three kinds of creatures and one of them isn't werewolves, by the way. <laughs> it's one of my main grievances. <laughs> All right. Um, our next dramatic reading is, uh, it's going to get a little bit sexy, but but not penetratively sexy. <laughs> Uh, and we'll mix it up, and Kate will be Diana, and I'll be Matthew. What does the distinguished historian know about bundling? I turned on my side and slowly extended my fingertip along his jawbone. I'm familiar with the custom, but you are neither Amish nor English. Are you telling me that, like wedding vows, the practice of getting two people into bed to talk all night but not have sex was dreamed up by vampires? Modern creatures aren't only in a hurry. They're overly focused on the act of sexual intercourse. It's far too clinical and narrow a definition. Making love should be about intimacy, about knowing another's body as well as your own. Answer my question, I insisted, unable to think clearly, now that he was kissing my shoulder. Did vampires invent bundling? No. He said softly, his eyes glittering as my fingertip rounded his chin. He nipped at it with his teeth. As promised, he drew no blood. Once upon a time, we all did it. The Dutch and then the English came up with a variation of putting boards between the intended couple. The rest of us did it the old-fashioned way. We were just wrapped into blankets, shut into a room at dusk, and let out at dawn. It sounds dreadful. His attention drifted down my arm and across the swell of my belly. I tried to squirm away, but his free hand clamped onto my hip, keeping me still. Matthew? As I recall, it was a very pleasant way to spend a long winter's night. The hard part was looking innocent the next day. His fingers played against my stomach, making my heart skip around inside my ribcage. I eyed Matthew's body with interest, picking my next target. My mouth landed on his collarbone while my hands sneaked down along his flat stomach. I'm sure sleep was involved, I said after he found it necessary to snatch my hand and hold it away for a few minutes. My hip free, I pressed the length of my body against him. His body responded, and my face showed my satisfaction at the reaction. No one can talk all night. Ah, but vampires don't need to sleep, he reminded me, just before he pulled back, bent his head, and planted a kiss below my breastbone. I grabbed his head and lifted it. There's only one vampire in this bed. Is this how you imagine you'll keep me awake? I've been imagining a little else from the first moment I saw you. My body arched up to meet his mouth. When it did, he gently but firmly turned me onto my back, grabbing both of my wrists in his right hand and pinning them to the pillow. No rushing, remember? I was accustomed to the kind of sex that involved a physical release without needless delay or unnecessary emotional complications. As an athlete who spent much of my time with other athletes, I was well acquainted with my body and its needs, and there was usually someone around to help me fill them. I was never casual about sex or my choice of partners, but most of my experiences had been with men who shared my frank attitude and were content to enjoy a few ardent encounters and then return to being friends again as though nothing had happened. 
Matthew was making it clear those days and nights were over. With him, there would be no more straightforward sex, and I'd had no other kind. I might as well be a virgin. My deep feelings for him were becoming inextricably bound with my body's responses, his fingers and mouths tying them together in complicated, agonizing knots. We have all the time we need, he said, stroking the undersides of my arms with his fingertips, weaving love and physical longing together until my body felt tight. Matthew proceeded to study me with the rapt attention of a cartographer who found himself on the shores of a new world. I tried to keep up with him, wanting to discover his body while he was discovering mine, but he held my wrists firmly against the pillows. When I began to complain in earnest about the unfairness of this situation, he found an effective way to silence me. His cool fingers dipped between my legs and touched the only inches of my body that remained uncharted. Matthew, I don't think that's bundling. Ah, uh, what a horny, magical couple. <laughs> well, that was delightful. Uh, you guys want to play some Would You Rather? I would, in fact, like to play some Would You Rather. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Would you rather... Play vampire baseball, as described in Twilight, or participate in vampire equestrian activities. Well, I'm real allergic to horses. And I mean, I'm not like super into baseball, but given the choice between baseball or horses, I think I'd have to go with vampire baseball, if only for the good of my lungs, especially right now, when they are still trying to recover from my sickness last week. How about you, Gina? I would go equestrian. <laughs> I just don't like baseball that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, neither of these activities are, like, high on my to-do list. Um, I, like... With Bella, they let her be the referee or whatever, so she didn't actually have to play vampire baseball. She just sort of had to be around it. So I I would go for that because um, with the vampire equestrian activities, it did seem like maybe there's a chance that you're going to have to watch a vampire eat a deer, and I would just throw up if I had to watch that, so... Or, like, be killed, because... Or be killed, yeah. Yeah, that was w- that was a concern. Yeah, I would also throw up if I was killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go with baseball. Okay, next one. This is, a, this is a little throwback, all the way back to, I don't know, Stonehenge time. Not Stonehenge times, fuck. To Outlander times. Would old-timey, you- old-timey Scottish times. Yeah, not... Not as old-timey as these old-timeys. We need a timeline, but that's, we'll work on that later. <laughs> Would you rather collect hashtag herbs with uh, Jello for poisoning your husband? She was the witch from Outlander, if you don't remember. Or collect hashtag herbs with Martha for contraception. I absolutely would rather collect hashtag herbs with Jello for poisoning my husband. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to poison a husband. 
Yeah, I want to point out, by the way, before people are like, why are you pressing cape and making her talk about a husband? We talked about this before recording, and we <laughs> agreed that it is not funny to joke about poisoning your wife, but it is funny to joke about poisoning your husband. And uh, that's because of the patriarchy. Don't at me. <laughs> yeah, I would absolutely rather spend time with Marth than with Jello, but I absolutely am here for collecting herbs to poison a husband. Yeah, I mean, Gina's the only one of us here with an actual IRL husband, so she might have a different take on this. <laughs> although, I would, although I, would I won't tell. <laughs> <laughs> although I feel like the the herbs for contraception are probably not gonna like be as effective as the herbs for poisoning. <laughs> yeah, you'd probably want to back up. I mean, if you're going on like return on investment for your time, it's probably gonna be poisoning. <laughs> Yeah, I we were just looking at the Outlander wiki to refresh our minds about Jello, whose real name is Gaelish, but it's spelled like Jello-ish. And <laughs> anyway, she poisoned five husbands. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's admirable. I will join her in that quest. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, last up, would you rather eat Diana's vampire cooking or eat at Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle the movie that serves only whole steaks and whole cakes? Uh, you know, I'm not super into raw food. Like, I'll do a little sushi now and then, but, uh, you know, miss me with this, like, very barely seared rabbit meat or whatever. So, of course, I'm going to go with steaks and cakes, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll eat a, a cooked steak and a full cake like a normal person. <laughs> I would also go steaks and cakes. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that the va- vampire meal has going for it would be the wine. But you know what? I'll eat my cake and then I'll just come home and I'll drink my own box wine afterwards. And that will, that'll be fine. <laughs> I, I don't have a vampire's refined palate. They also had no dessert for the vampire meal. Mm, true. No cake. Yeah. That's like a deal breaker. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well played, everyone. Let's move on to Reader's Advisory and recommend some things to read instead of or in addition to this book. Uh, by the way, I mean, this book is its not a not recommend for me. Like, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was fine. I it is not maybe necessarily something I would have picked up on my own, but like I read it. I mean, I read it very quickly because I had to read it very quickly because I waited too long in hopes that a library hold would come in. <laughs> but I I didn't. It didn't feel like a slog at all for me. Yeah, I've read this book three times and I really like it. It's it's the rest of the books in the series are kind of like diminishing. <laughs> Mm. And the the fourth one is just not good. That's disappointing. Yeah. Um, so some alternatives that I would recommend are uh, the Parasol Protectorate series by Gail Carriger. They are steampunky kind of paranormal mystery romancey things. They're very funny, um, and there are queer people in them. And I quite enjoyed them a lot. Uh, so that's one that I don't necessarily think I've recommended on here before, but who knows? We've been doing this podcast for so long. The Tiffany Aching novels, which are Discworld novels, I mean, all Discworld is pretty good. Like, you can't really go wrong with that. 
you know, just pick your favorite thing that you want to see satirized and then read those books. Uh, but the Tiffany Aching ones are uh, young adult books, and I do particularly like them. I also think this book, to me, felt like several of the books that we've read for the podcast just, like, spun around in a blender. I feel like this is Outlander, Twilight, and Fifty Shades just made into a smoothie, but then also with, like, a dictionary and, I don't know, Darwin's Origin of the Species and, like, a Gutenberg Bible also thrown in the blender. (laughs) And I would also throw, um, what's the fucking, the True Blood Book. Oh yes, the True Blood books. Yeah, yes, the Sookie Stackhouse books. That was I thought. I thought they seemed really similar to that. Yeah, yes, but only like the first three Sookie Stackhouse books. Yeah, this is like the dignified. This is like white collar Sookie Stackhouse. Yeah, <laughs> the comic book, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. If you like witchy things, but with more like men being murdered, that that would be a good suggestion <laughs> I mean I do like men being murdered I'm nervous it seems you might too- you might want to take a pass you particularly yeah, might it's like take a too pass much like I like an off-screen comical murder I don't like I don't like all those details I don't like cannibalism anyway what I do like though is the TV show the magicians and I I like the book series as well but the show is infinity times better than the books like as it goes on the show just keeps killing it harder and harder and uh it's so good the first three seasons are on netflix uh it's such a like funny blend of uh, this kind of like urban fantasy i'm sure i've talked about before but last week they aired the musical episode of the season and it was perfect um the librarians movies also i would recommend (laughs) yeah I do love those. And there's a uh, TV show of the movies also, but I haven't really watched it. I haven't either, but I think um, the showrunner is the showrunner from Leverage, so I do want to eventually watch it. I'll have, I put a whole bunch, so we'll have more on the website, but also uh, one last one is uh, Labyrinth Lost is a very good witchy mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Gina, people. you got anything you want to recommend? Mine was True Blood. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> True Blood's real I just solid. Liked, I just liked the first four. <laughs> yeah, I've been, um, my roommate and I have been slowly, well, she's rewatching True Blood. I'm experiencing it for the first time. And, uh, uh love it. I'm loving it. Yeah, I watched them in real time, and I kind of missed that show. <laughs> well, it's on Amazon Prime if you want to revisit. <laughs> I never actually saw the end. <laughs> ah. Yeah, it. I, I think we're... Well, we can talk about it later. It is uh, slightly going off the rails, but I watch Riverdale, so I don't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> I Strict adherence to rails is not necessarily a requirement for me from the media that I consume. <laughs> yeah, and the only show I would add would be, like, Legends of Tomorrow, just because <gasps> of time travel. Oh, yeah. I've been meaning to watch Legends of Tomorrow. I kind of... I quit watching Arrow finally. Like, it took me forever to disentangle myself from it. But I watch other yeah. CW shows, and I keep seeing commercials for Legends of Tomorrow. I'm like, this seems fun in a way that Arrow so frequently failed to be. Yeah, like, they, it's it's more, like, lighthearted. Yeah. But it also has the dude from Doctor Who, and he's still a time traveler. Which one? Rory. Okay. Arthur Darville. You, don't, you probably maybe don't necessarily know who that is. 
Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so we'll have uh, all of these delightful recommendations up at worstbestsellers.com. And uh, for now, what's everyone's candy pairing for this? Uh, My candy pairing is old-timey candy that you get from the old-timey candy store at an old-timey... I think by... I think by... I'm sorry, Dinrod. I think by store you mean shoppy. Shoppe, <laughs> yes. An old, old-timey candy that you get from the old-timey shoppes uh, <laughs> that you find in old-timey villages. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, like, kind of weird and overblown, but it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Gina? I went Cadbury Flake, which is like partly just because I have a hard time reading about books that take place in Britain without thinking about Cadbury Flakes because they're like one of my favorite candy bars. But also because like they look so great and then like you take like one bite and they just go everywhere. That is very appropriate. My candy pairing is just hashtag herbs. This book didn't go as deep into the hashtag herbs as Outlander, <laughs> but also what could? <laughs> All right, now it's time to play the Rock, Paper, Snit, which is the game where Kate says who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and Gina will pick which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. All right. If Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in this book, he would be one of the porters at Diana's college. Those are, like, essentially just, like, the dudes who, like, security guard type hang outside to make sure no one sneaks in if they're not supposed to. And there would be a lengthy subplot about him hunting down the people trying to break into Diana's apartment. And probably he would catch them in the act and try to capture them. And he'd tragically fail because this is fiction and they're like witches and vampires. Because obviously he'd never fail in real life and we know that. But, you know, this is fake. And we have to make allowances for plot. But he would give important information about them to Matthew so that Matthew would know how to find them. And the rest of the book would basically be the same, but we just get like five or six action-packed, rock-centric chapters about him like trying to solve this mystery. Nice. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, he would be one of the Knights of Lazarus. He'd, you know, get the fancy waxy letter and show up at the bishop house at the end of the book and drink some whiskey with the aunts. Uh, his presence wouldn't really change the course of this book, but it would set the stage for a spin-off prequel about the Knights of Lazarus, colon, Origins. So I would go with Wolverine on that one, just because I think I'd be there for the prequel, Knights of Lazarus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would read that book. <laughs> yeah. I, I would if Wolverine were in it specifically. I yeah. wouldn't read the normal version, probably. <laughs> Uh, But, of course, The Rock also, you know, he could be there, too. I feel like The Rock probably also knows how to time lock, and he's just choosing not to. That would explain why he never ages. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, good game. Thanks for playing. And what do we think the moral of the story is? I'm going to say the moral of the story is manuscripts. (laughs) Hashtag manuscripts, (laughs) hashtag herbs, hashtag blessed. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Gina? Um, I would say that no one cares about their job once they have a vampire husband. Because <laughs> it really bothered me in the book how, like, she talks about how much she loves teaching, and then, like, she just walks away and never goes back. She does have their vampire lawyer send a letter. 
But, like, at that point, isn't it, like, a week before the conference she's supposed to talk Yeah, it's at? pretty like... irresponsible. <laughs> I mean, they're never going to invite her back. Um, that's true. Unless she uses magic, though. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, speaking of, my moral of the story is a pun, and I'm not proud of this, but it is getting tenure as a real witch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh boy, now it's time for Dorothy's corner where my cat Dorothy will give his opinions. Alright, Dorothy, I mean look, I'm I'm happy that there was as much cat content as there was in this. I do agree that it would have been even better if Tabitha Tabitha could talk like Salem the cat from Sabrina the good version of Sabrina, not the gritty one where Salem doesn't talk. But, you know, I mean, there were already so many characters in this book. I really think that Talking Tabitha should get her own book so that, you know, she can just really have all the pages she needs to get all of her thoughts across. Yeah, you know, she was a pretty good character just as she was, and I'm going to disagree with you. I think that she carried a lot of the last third of the book, uh, even without being able to talk, I think that she was really integral to uh, what was going on there. So, you know, good job. I don't know if my microphone is picking this up, but Georgia is losing his shit in the other room right now. <laughs> it is. Don't worry. It is, yeah. <laughs> Georgia feels strongly about Tabitha. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Georgia. I have to disagree with you. And, like, I feel really bad, but I'm trying desperately to remember if Tabitha is in, like, the entire rest of the series. (laughs) Like, I I mean, I guess if the whole next book is in the past, she wouldn't be there. Well, they do, like, flashbacks to the present. Mm. And then, like, the the third book kind of goes between, like, it's a lot of, like, England and France and England and France. I think they do go back to New York for a while, but... Hmm. Well, it's deeply offensive if they have somehow cut Tabitha. I just hope she doesn't die. <laughs> no. Well, I'm not going to read any more of these books, so Tabitha will <laughs> remain forever alive and perfect. And that solves that <laughs> and, problem. And delivering dead mice to Matthew. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do think I do think Matthew is my favorite vampire husband of all the vampire husbands we've encountered so far. He's like the most. He's like the most understanding. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's my clo- like... that's my closing thought. Matthew is the best vampire husband. I, I feel like there's a level of maturity for all that I was bitching earlier about the kind of, you know, like, oh, like, I'm an independent woman. I don't need this. I feel like there was a lot less back and forth. Like, even the arguments that they had, they did eventually settle them by being like, you know what? I was wrong to react that way. Or like I was overreacting Matthew in particular, like when he gets really angry, he tries to remove himself from the situation until he can get himself under control. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. Which is like hilarious because later in the books, like his defining characteristic is what they term blood rage. Yeah. Oh and boy. he like flies into these like rages where like he just like will kind of kill anything around him so like yeah it's it's like a whole thing <laughs> you know wolverine has that problem too they really should have talked about this more when they were being knights of the of the lazarus together yeah probably could have helped each other that, maybe that's maybe that's in the prequel <laughs> oh yes <sighs> 
Oh, uh, Gene, I meant to ask, have, wait, have you seen the show, or is the show just starting? Or is the show starting so season two? The show, like, it aired in Britain, oh. and hasn't aired here yet. I see. Okay. And, like, I was talking with, like, so one of my friends here is a professor, and she's an herbalist, and, like, she has seen the first episode and didn't apparently, like, have reactions to it, so I don't know. Huh. I do know from looking at, like, promos that they made it a lot more, like, inclusive. Oh, okay. So, like, like, so, like, so, like Sophie is African-American. Oh, nice. And, like, they, they tried to, like, mix up the cast and, like, make it a little bit more diverse. Nice. Into it. <laughs> yeah, and Matthew Good is, is Matthew, so I'm pretty much just there for him. I respect that. Yeah, I, I think that's probably about all we have to say about a discovery of witches. Yeah. Nice. So if you if you want some more of Worst Bestsellers on the internet, of course our website is worstbestsellers.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash worstbestsellers. We're on Twitter at worstbestseller with no S because of course um, you know, back in old archaic English, that's just how you spelled it. <laughs> we just didn't have that S back then. Um, that's how Shakespeare wrote it. <laughs> Uh, we also have a Goodreads group that you can access from our website, worstbestsellers.com. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you buy, uh, find podcasts because you don't buy them. If you do subscribe to us any of those places, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it pushes us up a little bit on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review us, we'll be forced to uh, time walk back to your birthday and steal your birthday cake, and you don't want that. Hash, <laughs> you'll be real mad. <laughs> You can also subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers, uh, where you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like buy equipment, pay our taxes, pay our editor, and uh, in exchange, you get some perks that go along with that, including like a newsletter, you can get a postcard in the mail, and at our top tier, uh, you can get a care package from us uh, after six months. So check that out. Yeah, we'll, we'll send you some hashtag herbs in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> um, that you, doesn't mean drugs, by the way. At, <laughs> at police, if you are listening. And not, and not smallpox, like in this book. <laughs> uh, you can also check out our merch store by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch. Um, we've got some cool designs there, including uh, my other car is hashtag herbs bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Which we thought was very funny. I don't think we've sold any of those, but... No. Not even me. I should buy one. <laughs> if you want to follow me personally on the internet, uh, I'm at Renata Snacks. If you'd like to follow me personally on the internet, I'm at 14 Across. And I am Internet Dark. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to send Gina a wax seal in the mail... <laughs> Good luck. Yes, I do accept those. <laughs> uh, and we'll be back in two weeks with Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty, which I'm very excited to read because there is a character named Renata in it, and I can't wait to see how she lives up to the name. <laughs> uh, all right, Gina, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your academic slash herbal expertise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> 
And and I will be sending those to Grinnell College class notes, and I'd better include it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I could probably convince them, too. <laughs> I tweeted at them a while ago and was like, I, I think it was, I don't know, I had some other Grinnell alum on the podcast, and I was like, you should put this in the magazine. And they were like, haha, maybe, and then they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't. We're famous now. We are on Forbes.com. That's true. I'll just send them the Forbes.com link. Like, you could have had this Grinnell College magazine. That probably would be an actual class note. (laughs) Uh, That's not as funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to submit it as if it were a wedding, but it's just you and me getting married on a podcast. Uh, so if you are a Grinnell College alumni, please look for that in the next quarterly Grinnell College magazine. <laughs> uh, cool, cool, cool. Good night. Goodbye. Bye.